I just want to share with you that um, I come with a heavy heart. I come with a burden. Because I know if I am faithful to this scripture that some of you are going to be mad at me this morning. And some of you are going to be upset. So I want to share with you the authority is not me. The authority is the scripture. So I want to, I want to read a scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. My hope and my prayer this morning is that scripture will do what it's intended to do, that it will challenge us, that it will teach, it will rebuke, it will correct, and it will train us in righteousness. I do not find joy in what I'm about to say in some areas, because I've had to live this out in my own life, and I've realized how I've failed and how I needed to repent. So I want to come with you from that. It's scripture that uh, is all teach this morning, and I just want to be faithful to it. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your missions. And Lord, I am, I am nervous. And I pray that you will give me the courage and the strength to be faithful and obedient to what you taught your disciples. Uh, help me to get out of the way and allow you to uh, use me. I ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I grew up in uh, Orange Park, Florida, which is a suburb of Jacksonville, Florida. And Orange Park is made up of mostly houses and stores, some golf courses, and there's a big lake and a river that runs through there. Through there. One thing Orange Park doesn't have is farms. So when I moved to Graceville, Florida, where I finished up my um, degree, I was in for a shock because there weren't stores and there weren't many houses, but there were horses, cows, tractors, peanuts, cotton, all this stuff. And the worst part about living in Graceville is that no one warned me about the harvest time. When a period of three to four weeks, John Deere tractors outnumbered the cars on the road. And I would be driving and I would get stuck behind this big green machine and I'm like, Lord, why, why am I here? And I, I would be frustrated. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Because um, tobacco, they pull it. And there's nothing worse than getting stuck behind a tractor pulling a tobacco trailer at a fast and furious speed of five miles per hour. You know, and on a road that is, the limit is 55 miles per hour. And you have double yellow lines. You're like, Lord, do I sin and ask for forgiveness? Or what do I do? But... One thing is true, regardless of what the state or what the crop is, there's a period of time that the farmer and his workers must be out in the field and must be picking the crop before it's lost. And in that period, in that gap, they work hard. It's not uncommon in Alabama where Megan lives at for uh, you can see the tractors lighting up the sky after the sun's gone down, the moon's out. And they're picking, uh, picking and pulling, or whatever the term is, I'm not uh, peanuts and cotton. And it's just lighting up the air, and you're like, wow. Um, so this morning, Jesus talked about a harvest. And the key is that for the farmer, if he does not get the harvest, 
he, he loses out. His livelihood depends on that harvest. Well, the church, our church, other churches, our livelihood depends on the harvest. It depends on us being faithful and reaching those that have not responded to the gospel yet. So this morning as we look in Matthew chapter 9, um, starting in verse 35, I want you to understand there's one point, and I'm going to try to bring it up multiple times, and this is the one point I want you to get. Jesus commands prayer and action from all of his followers so that the harvest will not be lost. Jesus commands prayer and action from all of his followers so the harvest will not be lost. Look with me as I start reading verse 35. And it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is proclaiming the gospel to them. He comes to the people, and the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were burdening, burdening down, they were uh, hurting the people, saying there's a bunch of do's and don'ts that you have to do. Uh, there was not a message of hope. There was not a, mes a message of redemption. It was, it was wrapped up in a legalistic view. And it's in this context that Jesus comes to the people, and he's meeting with them, and he's proclaiming, these guys have gotten it wrong. Let me share with you what God's plan is. And it's the gospel of the kingdom. Well, I want to give us a, a definition of what the gospel is because I'm going to mention it several times. It's very important that we understand it before we go on in this text. And this is what the gospel is. It can be summed up this way. That God himself came to rescue his creation through the person and the work of Jesus on the sinner's behalf. And by responding in repentance and faith... A sinner can be free from the power and the penalty of sin, causing them to enter into a relationship with God. Sin destroys the chance we have to have fellowship in a relationship with God. The religious leaders were telling them, you have to do this, 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 this. Jesus says they're wrong. This is what you have to do. It's a message of hope. It's a message of grace. That God would send his own son and to the creation that chose to not obey him to rescue them. And so this is, the, this is the gospel message. And this is what Jesus is teaching the people. And this is what Jesus will command his disciples to go teach here in a few moments. And this is what Jesus commands us to go and share. That God has a plan and he wants to rescue you from his sin and from his power and from his punishment. But it's only through the work of Jesus Christ. So remember the one point is Jesus commands prayer and action from all of his followers so the harvest will not be lost. But let's continue on in verse 37 it says this, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is now. There are many people out there that are ready to respond in faith and repentance to Jesus. It says it right here, it was true in that day. They are broken, they are lost, and they want the hope and they want the power that is in Jesus. But the problem is, is the laborers are few. Now notice this, Jesus doesn't say, you can read into this, Jesus doesn't say this, and this is where some of you are going to get mad at me, but I'm going to share it anyways. 
Jesus doesn't say, pray about it, read your Bible about it, and then see if it's God's will for you to go share Jesus with someone. Nowhere in Scripture says that. The Christ follower, the Christian is called to share Jesus. Now, you're called to share Jesus in your local context, where you live. Now, yes, you need to pray before you go on a mission trip. Yes, that's true. But where you're at now, you have no excuse. I have no excuse not to share Jesus with those you work with, those you play with, those you hunt with, those you fish with, those you go to the ball game with, those you visit. Nowhere in Scripture does it give us that excuse. So what does this mean? You shouldn't wait until a mission trip to share Jesus. You shouldn't wait until the missions committee, the outreach committee, the pastor, the deacons, the youth pastor, Sunday school teachers plan this event, and then you can go share Jesus. You shouldn't wait until you're trained properly. You'll never be trained properly. Because you have to depend on God to share Jesus. See, these are excuses that we come up with so we can feel better about ourselves for disobeying, for sinning. I've, I've wrestled with these excuses myself. And I'm in seminary, and I'm like, well, I, you know, I need one more evangelism course, and then I'll start sharing Jesus. Yeah. We're called to do it now. Uh, one of the greatest things about the gospel message is this, though, is that in a society that limits activities based on your age, the gospel doesn't. So what does that mean? Students that can't drive yet? There's no limit on when you can share the gospel. People that have retired, there's no opt-in out of sharing the gospel. Jesus doesn't say, once you reach this age and you start beginning to get a retirement check and social security, you no longer have to share how I changed your life. From the moment a person repents and places their faith in Jesus, they are called, they are commanded, to go and share how he changed their life until you depart by death. This is tough because some of the times um, I'll use my parents as an example because they're getting older. They're like, well, I've been faithful, I've served, so now I can just come to church and sit and not have to worry about anything. No. You should share Jesus regardless of your age, regardless of where you work at. That is what Scripture demands. No matter what happens. And here's the deal. The future of this church and the future of many churches around depends on the harvest. If we are not faithful proclaiming the name of Jesus and sharing his salvation for those that want to respond in repentance and faith, one day this church can shut its doors and never open it again. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But you can drive into the city, you can drive out in the country, and I've seen it. I've passed many churches coming back and forth here where there's for sale signs because the church got off track and got more wrapped up in serving its members than taking the gospel to those that need it. Don't think that we can't have that happen. We don't want it to have happen. But it all depends on the harvest. It all depends on us being faithful and going and sharing the message of Jesus. We're just one generation away from being a student. <coughs> I'm so thankful for these 
these children and what they're learning, but if they don't put it into their own lives and they don't start practicing it, that could be the last generation of children that are raised in this church. So the harvest, it's here. It's now. We need to do something about it. And here's where some of you are going to get mad. The laborers are few. Notice this. Jesus says the laborers are few. So some of you in here already are being faithful and sharing the gospel message. And I want to encourage you to continue do, doing that. But most of us are. Most churches, this is an accurate picture of them. And it breaks my heart to think that there are people wanting to repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus as Savior, but they are unable to because Christians are not sharing the gospel with them. And some of them are here this morning. Let's take a moment to examine our own church. Based off what Scripture says, how many, what's the ratio between those that go and proclaim the gospel message? Not just mission trips, I'm not talking about that, but where they work at, where they hang out at. Versus those that just come Sunday after Sunday, sit in the pew, sing some songs, go to Sunday school, get you a donut, and sit and learn, and then you wait until next week to do it all over again. And you'll mention the name of Jesus in Sunday school because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to talk about God. We're supposed to talk about Jesus. But the reality is this. The only time you will mention the name of Jesus Christ is between 8.30 and 12 o'clock on a Sunday morning. How can you tell me? How can you tell your children? How can you tell others that you love Jesus? But you only speak of them between a three and a half hour period, one day a week, in the safety of the church building. I love Megan. She loves me. But if I only told Megan I loved her once a month or once in a, a three hour period, we would have problems. Right? And she, and she lets me know that. <laughs> but here's the deal. I love her, so I tell her. I tell others about her. This is what my wife's done. This is what she's doing. I love her. And she does the same thing. Through that, it verifies my love for her. You can't tell someone you love Jesus, but you never speak his name. You never speak to how he changed your life. It just doesn't happen. Because what you're saying is not matching up with what you're living. It's time to stop sitting around and learning, but it's time to start going and telling. It's not about another Bible study, and Bible studies are good, but it's about being faithful and obedient. Because Jesus, I mean, these are some tough words, but he says some even tougher words about family. And he says, go and share. The laborers are few. In the midst of being around the people that are broken, that are hurt, and they need to respond to the gospel message, he tells his disciples, the workers are few. The workers are few. I hope that won't be the case for us this next year. And notice this. Jesus doesn't say anything about the harvest, what it will look like. Uh, those who will come to repentance. Some of you just need to get over this fact. That Jesus Christ died for Mexicans, Asians, and Blacks. He didn't just die for white people. Some of you need to repent because you think the gospel message is only for those that look like you, talk like you, 
and act like you. The gospel message is for every color, every person, every nationality, every race. Jesus didn't come and die just for you. He came and died for the world. And we need to share it. We need to. Alright, continue on with me. In verse 38, it says, Remember the one point of the passage. Jesus commands prayer and action from all of his followers the harvest, so that the harvest will not be lost. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Christ's followers are commanded to pray for other Christians to model Jesus' example in preaching the gospel to the broken and lost sinner. Um, many are waiting to hear the gospel message in Person County in uh, North Carolina where the hurricane went through, in West Virginia where we'll be going, in Mexico where we'll be going. Many want to hear the gospel message. Many are ready to respond, but unless we faithfully go and we proclaim it, they will never hear. We have a responsibility to go. Um, so look at this right here um, on the back of your sheet. This is called a uh, missional prayer. Um, my professor emailed me this, emailed this to our class and challenged us. And it says this. It says, um, you pray this each day. It says, God, give me the, an opportunity today to share Jesus and or build a relationship with an unbeliever. Give me wisdom to see it and give me boldness to do it. This is a scary prayer, but I promise you, if you pray this, you will have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. Um, I want to share just two examples. One is uh, Wednesday night. I drive back and forth here, and usually on Wednesday nights, I stop in Oxford at a gas station. Well, I knew what I was going to be preaching on, and I was wrestling with it. And I said, you know, God, I have to do the best I can to teach those that I come in contact with about your gospel message and how I, how I share it. So I stop at the, the gas station to get a, a drink and a tea, and I walk in and I'm nervous. I said, but I prayed this prayer that morning. So I, I come up to pay, and there's this younger man, and uh, his name's Jeremy. So I said, well, how are you doing this? He said, I just, can't, I just can't call it. I said, okay. And so the drinks were on sale. He's like, man, I want one of you. I said, here, you take it. It's all right. He's like, really? He said, yeah, sure. Have it. I said, but can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, is there anything I can pray for you about? Anything going on right now? And his eyes popped open wide. He's like, well, yeah, you could. Can you pray for my son? He has asthma right now. Um, and his lungs are bad. I said, sure, I'll do that. I said, I, uh, I'll come back in to see how he's doing. The point is, is I, you can't just beat someone up sometimes with the gospel. Sometimes you have to show them that you love them. And you care for them. So each Wednesday night, as I go back and forth, I'll stop in Oxford and I will continue to build this relationship with this guy in hopes of that I can eventually share the gospel message with him. Last Sunday night, I, I prayed this prayer and uh, the youth went out visiting. And I had the privilege of taking some sixth graders with me to the hospital. And that was a joy by far, um, a bunch of them. And so we went and started visiting some people on the prayer list. And um, we went in this one uh, lady's room, and I said, you know, this is who we are, this is where we're from, and uh, we're just talking with her about what she's doing. I said, is there, is there anything we can pray for you about? She said, you know, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. And I was like, oh. And I was thinking, like, well, this is an opportunity. So I started talking with her, 
about what Scripture says. I shared with her the gospel plan. Now she refused it. She said, I just can't, I can't come to groups. I can't believe God loves people when he allows this to happen. Here's the deal. You're not responsible and I'm not responsible on how they respond. But we are responsible to share it. We are. Those are two examples. And I don't share this to brag because I have failed many times. But I shared those examples to share with you that God will answer this prayer and he will honor it. And it's tough and it's hard and it's not easy and it's not comfortable. But we are required to do it. That's what scripture says. Um, as you pray this prayer for more workers, this is another thing that will come up. God will show you idols in your own life. For me, an idol was Florida football. I love football. I love watching the Gators win. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. But uh, I, I loved it. And I would get so mad and so upset when they, they would lose, especially to Alabama when we lived in Florida. I mean, her family's Alabama or Auburn fans. And they would remind me. And I would get so just bitter and mad. Well, as I started praying this prayer, I realized, you know what? This passion for football, it really doesn't matter. I shouldn't allow this football game to affect my life more than the gospel. And more than the reality that there's people that are dying and going to hell because Christians aren't sharing the gospel message. Some of you are very passionate about some things. You're passionate about sports or entertainment or internet or technology. And I can list a bunch of them. Uh, dancing, volleyball, softball, fishing, tractors, trucks. The list goes on and on and on. But here's the deal. If that thing changes you more than God, it's an idol in your life. And if it affects you more than the gospel, it's an idol, and you need to repent of it. And that's what I have to do. The more I pray this prayer, the more I realize I have idols in my life that are there are getting in the way of me sharing the gospel that are affecting me more than God's word. Um, also, when you pray for more workers, this is what will happen. Megan and I, um, we've been praying this and we've been thinking about it. And we came to the realization that we are selfish. And sometimes we are very selfish with the money that God's given us. And we came to the conviction that we can no longer just give a tithe. When we have so much more to give, if we would let go of some of our wants that aren't needs. So as we, as we pray this and as we look at it and think about it, we've uh, created something in our budget called Missional Giving. And the only requirement is that when we give those funds to something that's advancing the gospel message. And can I share this? It's a joy. It is a true joy. No matter how big or small it is, depending on what month, it's a joy knowing that by trusting God and honoring Him and obeying Him, there's a chance that someone might hear the gospel message. See, God will change your heart about money when you start praying this prayer. He will show you things that you need to let go of. It's a scary prayer to pray for, um, but it's the truth. Well, Look in verse 5 for me in chapter 10. It says this. And remember, remember the, the point. Prayer isn't enough. Remember, Jesus commands prayer and action for, from all of his followers so the harvest will not be lost. So in verse 5 it says this. Then the twelve Jesus sent off. 
He taught them. He said, you need to pray. And then he sent them off. There was no wait for 10 years or wait for a month or wait for so many days. And then you go. It was you taught them, you prayed, and then you go. And some of you say, well, okay, Lee, I get that. We need to go and proclaim the gospel message to the lost. But I don't think this passage of Scripture clearly teaches that. It's just, you know, a, a clause. It's not enough for me to believe that a Christ follower, that a Christian, should go and share. Well, I'm glad you think that. Because let me share with you the last words that Jesus said to his disciples that echoed this very much. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all, all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, verses 46 through 47, he says this, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day raised from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in all of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Matthew 28, verses uh, 18 through 20. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, Christians, Christ follower, Jesus demands that we, may go, that we go and we tell, to share to all nations, to all people. One cannot walk away after reading these scriptures and continue to do nothing anymore without willingly, knowingly sinning. We cannot remain satisfied with what we've done in the past as a church or what you've done in the past as a Christian when it comes to evangelism. We must remain obedient and continue to share the message of Jesus. You and I cannot stay in the safety of this church and proclaim the gospel message. We must go and be with the people. It is never easy to share the gospel, but we must never get... We must get over being comfortable and focus on being obedient. It's tough. It's not easy. And I'm not telling you it is. It is one of the most awkward things to do at times. Because you don't know how they're going to respond. And you want people to like you. You don't want them to call you names. But here's the deal. You can remain comfortable and continue to sin. Or you can remain obedient and share if you claim to be in Christ, and He's working in you, then you should look like Jesus, and I should look like Jesus. And we should go and we should share. There is no excuse given in Scripture, giving you or me the freedom not to share the gospel. Furthermore, it speaks of no retirement age of getting out sharing the gospel. Let me share this with you. Um, we have some trips coming up here that you can see of. But I want to share a story with you at the close. Um, I've been blessed to have a dad that has modeled this for me. And one of the ways he modeled this was he would go to the prisons. And he would share with the inmates in the state of Florida. And they would go in and share. And while I was still in college before I was dating Megan, um, he said, Leo, I want you to go with me. 
on a Saturday in December. And I want you to see something and experience something. And I said, all right, I'll be where to say that. And um, he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go with First Baptist Jacksonville. That's the church. And uh, what the church does every year is its members, they bake cookies. Thousands of cookies. And they buy cookies. And they buy drinks. And then they go into the worst prison in Florida. The prison that has the electric chair. The prison where murderers go. And they go in there and they give these cookies and they give drinks to these inmates that everyone else doesn't care about anymore. And so it was in this context that my dad said, come and go with me. And I was nervous and I was scared. Never been in prison, didn't have a desire to go in prison. And we go through all these gates and these metal defectors and we get in there. And he says, Lee, here's the deal. He said, there's 15 or 16 guys on each wing and there's one that wants to hear the gospel message. And there's only a bunch that's going to try to stall you from getting to that one person. He said, you must trust in the Lord. You must listen to him. So we went in and we gave him some cookies and we poured him a drink. And then we had time to share with him. And it was scary. It's a six by nine cell. Bars are in there by themselves. They say, watch out. You might get shamed. You might have all this happen. And so we're sharing the message. And that was scary. But then they take us even deeper inside the prison where they have the full doors and all there is is a little slot, a tray, big enough to put a tray in there. And that's where we pass the cookies through and we give them the drink. And there's a, a glass, uh, a window, plexiglass, and I don't know how thick it is. And it's through that that we have to share but on the outside of their cell is their crimes. And I remember this one guy that I went in, I was sharing, and I said, God loves you. He wants to protect you. He wants to, he wants to save you. He, he, he's not giving up on you. He said, I've killed someone. I said, that doesn't matter. There's forgiveness from that. He said, what if I've killed two people? I said, it doesn't matter. Jesus can still change you. He's not giving up on you. And he prayed and he received Christ. And it was amazing. But then we went on it. And, and there's this man. And I'm sharing with him. And we only had so much time before the corrections officers would say, it's time to go. And when they say it's time to go, it's time to go. And I remember sharing and I can still see the guy's face. There was another man in another cell beating on the door saying, come here. Come here. I want to talk with you. And I'm trying to wrap it up with this guy. And then the corrections officer says, it's time to go. And the reality is, is I never got to speak to that man because the laborers were few. There weren't enough people to go. Please, church, 
don't let that be the story in West Virginia. Don't let that be the story of the victims of Hurricane Irene. Don't let that be the story of those in Mexico. We need you. They need you. I can still see his face. And I don't know whatever came of him. Don't let that be the testimony that we bring back to you. That we didn't have enough workers to share the gospel message. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I pray that anything that was not clear this morning that didn't honor you, that you would forgive me and that you would vanquish it from their memory. I ask the Lord that we would be faithful in sharing your message. That we would stop being wrapped up in the wrong things. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for not seeing opportunities to share your salvation. I pray that we will be faithful from here on out sharing it. Help me to model it for the students. Help me to model it for Megan. I pray that other men in here will start modeling it for their families. Have your way with this invitation. Do what you please. That's all these things in your name. Amen.